0: good morning how's it going yeah first weekend of November how the heck did we get here but we're here can you believe it 2022 here we come we don't know how we're getting there but we're coming yeah um anyone adventure into the Christmas world yet yes thank you you are my people It is holly and jolly in my house, at least downstairs, because that's as far as I had this weekend, but by next weekend, I like to enjoy it, you know, I like to enjoy the decorations, so if you need to feel holly and jolly, you know where to come, but here we are today, you're here, I am here, with all our good, with all our bad, with all our ugly, yeah, are you here, are you good, are you bad, are you ugly, Yeah, I mean, we're all one of those, so. But I am glad you're here today. If you are listening online later, we are recording these messages, so uh, I'm glad you're listening. Everybody, one, two, three, let's say hello online. Ready? One, two, three. Hello online, that is for you. We have some avid listeners online from people here locally to all the way to the motherland of Scotland. Did I say that Irishly? <laughs> let's say let's say hello to uh, to Grant's parents and Scott. You gotta say it loud because it has to come through this microphone. So let's say hello Jeanette and Nori. Let's say hello Jeanette and Nori. Ready? One, two, three. Hello, Jeanette and Nori. Excellent. I am now gonna be their favorite child. <laughs> because I gave them a shout-out in the service. Top that one, Grant. Anyway. Well, you're here, I'm here, everybody's here. Let's just be here, yes? Let's not think about lunch. Who has a fantastic lunch planned? Anybody? I don't know what we're eating later, something at home. Uh, Don't think about lunch. Don't start thinking about that now. Don't think about what you're going to do in the afternoon. Just be here with me. Let's do that. Let's do a thing. Actually, let's do a thing that uh, I totally rolled my eyes at for a really long time. But my husband, being a marriage and family therapist, the top trauma therapist around, where is he? Is he around somewhere? He's somewhere. He's a good guy. But he has often, when I have been a little bit crazy or a little bit whatever, he has often told me to do this so that I can refocus and I can reset. He has often told me to stop and breathe. Now, this doesn't really work well when I'm, you know, up here, but it does sometimes. So let's stop and breathe, really. And if you're you're rolling your eyes at me for, for telling you to do this, don't worry. I did, too. I know where you're at. It's nothing magical, but let's just breathe. Ready? One, two, three. Breathe in. And breathe out. And breathe in. And breathe out. So... Let's reset, let's refocus. I have been praying that today as we look at this passage that maybe you've heard before, that maybe you've, you know, had some thoughts on before, but that you would be able to maybe focus on something new, that you might be able to reset your way of thinking about things, that you might be able to just see something through a different perspective. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just pray that as we are here today, as we refocus, as we reset, God, that we would breathe you in, that we would breathe you in and just breathe out just all the things in our minds, all the things in our hearts right now, God, that we would focus on what you would have to say to us today, right now. In Jesus' name, amen. So before we start looking at today's passage, I want to remind you of where we've been and what's happening. So um, Jesus is fully in motion right now. People know who he is. People know um, they're either super on board with this so-called Messiah or they are super out to get him. They're either chasing him to arrest and kill him or they're chasing him for some sort of salvation, for some sort of healing, for some sort of help. So, talk about a stark difference between two groups of people out to get you, right? Uh, He's also traveling with the apostles, right? These group of guys. Let the motorcycles pass. It's a beautiful day for a ride. Yes? Um, So, he is with these apostles that are a group of men that have left everything behind to follow him. They've left work, they've left family, they've left friends. They have left their reputations even behind to follow Jesus. And they have been up close and personal for teachings, miracles. They have been up close and personal for all of what has been happening with Jesus. And I think these guys are really the best example of what it is like to be human next to Jesus. They are the best examples of what it might be to see ourselves In these stories. They're the best example of this. So a few chapters ago, they were arguing over who was the greatest among them. They were arguing about that. They all wanted to be Jesus's favorite. Have you ever been someone's favorite? Yeah, I was totally my grandma's favorite. Much to the dislike of my cousins and my siblings, I was totally her favorite. Uh, She loved all her grandkids, but I was a little something special um so were you ever someone's favorite they were arguing over that a few a few verses later they were trying to get rid of people who weren't in the in crowd do you remember that teaching have you ever been in the in crowd or in the out crowd <laughs> yeah more of the out crowd here I was actually both at the same time so in high school, I was friends with everybody. I had friends all around. I was friends with, you know, the normal everyday kids. I was friends with the smokers in the back, the gangsters on the side, the preppy kids in the quad. I had friends everywhere. But at the same time, in high school, my parents just had a strict lockdown on me. I wasn't allowed to do anything. So when there was parties here and parties there, and but, you know... I I stopped getting invited because people knew I just couldn't come, so I felt on the out a lot of the time. Now, some of those parties went all night, and they were ridiculous, so with good reason I was on lockdown, but, you know, I was in the out crowd a lot of the time. Uh, So, uh, there's a lot of ways we can probably relate to these guys, yes? And sometimes they're, you know, we can see exactly what they're doing and why they're doing it. And sometimes they're completely missing the point. So we're going to see what's happening today in this chapter of Mark, in chapter 10. I'm going to read this with a little bit of a dramatic effect. So don't think that I'm, you know, uh, losing track or anything. I just, I really want to try to paint a picture of what is happening in real time. So read along with me. Then Jesus left Capernaum and went down to the region of Judea and into the area east of the Jordan River. Once again, crowds gathered around him. And as usual, he was teaching them. Some Pharisees came and tried to trap him with this question. Should a man be allowed to divorce his wife? Jesus answered them with a question. What did Moses say in the law about divorce? Well, he permitted it, they replied. He said a man can give his wife a written notice of divorce and send her away. But Jesus responded. He wrote this command only as a concession to your hard hearts. But God made the male and female from beginning of creation. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one since they are no longer two, but one. Let no one split apart what God has joined together. Later, when he was alone with his disciples in the house, they brought up the subject again. He told them whoever divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery against her. And if a woman divorces her husband and marries someone else, she commits adultery. One day, some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. When Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry. In some translations, it says indignant with his disciples, and he said to them, let the children come to me. Do not stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are just like these children. I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like this child will never enter it. Then he took the children in his arms and placed his hands on their heads and blessed them. So there's a lot of things happening here. Let me start by telling you what I'm not going to talk about today. I'm not going to talk about divorce. I do believe that divorce is talked about here, and I do believe that over time, we have very much come to point to this passage when someone says, what does the Bible say about divorce? Well, these five lines. But we can't do that. We can't do that because, first of all, the headings in the Bible were added centuries and centuries later for organizational purposes. They are not part of the original text. So we can't just open the Bible to one passage today and say, this is the end-all, be-all of divorce. This is what it says. We can't do that. We can't do that with another example. What about joy? Okay, it says, count all things joy. Let's talk about joy. Count all things joy. But uh in in psalm 88 it says i am as good as dead i am a strong man with no strength left they have left me among the dead like a corpse in a grave i am forgotten into the grave into the darkest depths your anger comes wave after wave as you engulfed me but joy (laughs) so we can't count one section and say, well, count it all joy or count it all dead. We can't do that. We can't point at five lines in the Bible. We have to look at the Bible as a whole when we look at different subjects. We have to look at so many things. But today, today, this series is called This is Jesus. And here, here in this conversation, Jesus is being questioned and he's being pushed into a corner by people who want to trap him. This is not about divorce. This is about people who don't really actually care about the question they're even asking here. They just care about trapping him in an answer, having him trip up on his question. So why are they trying to trap him? Well, the Pharisees here at this time, they are the source of knowledge and authority. And Jesus' very nature threatened everything they represented. So they wanted to take him down. But in one line here, he quickly captured what, what Mark captures, what Jesus is speaking against. And here, Jesus is speaking about hard hearts. In verse 5, it said, but Jesus responded, he wrote this commandment only as a concession to your hard hearts. Jesus here is saying that Moses gave a concession because our world is broken. Our world is broken. And because we're human, because we have sin, our hearts are hard towards something that was supposed to be wonderful and perfect. It's now broken. So, Jesus knows here that there is no answer that is going to be sufficient for them. He knows that they will go around and around, and there's no convincing them otherwise because they just want to trap him. Isn't that the case with us sometimes? Yeah, from silly things, from silly things like, hey, honey, how do I look today? Do you like this outfit? My poor husband. I already know, right? I already know whether I like the outfit or I don't. And I've just trapped him. So no answer he gives me is going to be sufficient. Or how about whether you turn to a friend or your partner or whatever and say, hey, what do you want to eat tonight? But you know what you want to eat tonight, right? By the time I ask that question, I already know. It's always Wabba Grill, by the way. I love Wabba Grill. So simple. I can't recreate it. Anyway, so... we're we're cornering sometimes people into failing. So that's some silly things, but what about more serious ways? When we ask God, we say, you said, you said good things come to people who love you. So why am I miserable? You said in Psalms that you will lift me up with your right hand. You said these things, but this is my reality. I don't feel very lifted right now. Our minds are so made up of what could have, what should have, what whatever should have been, and then, bam, there's no real answer that will make us happy because we're either hurting or angry or disappointed, whatever the case may be. But why? Because we don't live in a perfect world. We live in a broken one. And our hearts can become so easily hardened because of so many things, past experiences, Failed expectations, offense, rejection, fear. I don't want you to say yes to this, but yes. I've had many moments in my life where I've turned to God and said, what the heck is going on right now? Why? Why am I in this? Why is this so broken? And maybe you're tuning me out right now because your life is pretty okay. Your life is pretty okay you're here, but maybe you don't even know or you don't want to own up to the fact that some pieces of your heart might be broken. You've had a hard heart, and you're just, you've kind of let it fade. We don't even realize it sometimes. We might not even be aware that that something's happening. Maybe, maybe you read your Bible and you just, you just don't get that much out of it anymore. Maybe there's a reason. Or maybe you hear messages on Sunday morning and they don't really speak to you a whole lot. Is it me? Is it Grant? Is it Josh? Let's go with Josh. Let's blame Josh. Where is he? I don't know. He's back there. I have to jab him at least one time when I'm up here. But what is standing in your way of actually hearing the message? There's something there. What is standing in your way? Is it possible that some parts of your heart are just hard right now that when you come to receive something, nothing is sticking? Nothing is sticking because your heart is hard. So what do we do with that? How do we deal with hard hearts? Well, lucky for us, Jesus gives us the answer here, but not before he gets really, really mad at what is happening. So there's children around, and parents or someone or maybe even the children themselves have come to Jesus, have come to Jesus, and they're shooed away. Now, in Jesus' day, children were, were not highly valued at all. They were seen more as a burden, a bother, an inconvenience. They, they weren't highly valued at all. Have you ever felt like an inconvenience to someone? Or have you ever felt like, I guess they don't really want to talk to me? Have you ever been shooed away by someone? I don't remember a clear time. I'm sure I've been an inconvenience to a lot of people. But I don't remember a clear time where I was shooed away. But I can remember clear as day a time where one of my children was shooed away. We were at a gathering and one of my twin daughters was just, you know, walking around on the floor and she saw someone who was familiar to her. Now she was like not even knee high at the point, at this point. But she saw someone who was familiar to her and she went and she tugged on their leg. And this person didn't even look down. This person shook their leg a little bit, scooted my child over, and didn't even acknowledge this this innocent, this, this loving, this child who knew no better. This baby just went towards them because she recognized them and out of affection went towards them only to be completely ignored. And it broke my heart to see this play out because... Because this baby only knew how to love and was rejected by an adult that should have known better. That should have known better. In, in verse 14, it says, When Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with his disciples. He said to them, let the, little child, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to those like these children. I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God, like a child, will never enter it. So he's upset here because of the way they're treating them and because they're saying, Jesus, teach us. We want to follow you. We want to be like you. Show us. Oh, hold on. Let me shoo away this child with my foot. That's what they're doing. And Jesus destroys that. He destroys that, and he says, not only does this child who you just shoot away has the first and foremost access to this, but you have to be more like them if you want to get close to me, if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven. You have to have a heart like these children. You have to have a heart not like the one that you have now. So what is he saying again, in real time, what does this mean? Does Jesus mean we literally have to act like a three-year-old? Does that what it mean we have to be goofy and silly and completely unpredictable? That, is that what he means? No. He's saying you have to take a posture like a child. Admit that you are helpless in this world. The posture of a child is what? It is of complete dependence on someone else for survival. Let me ask you something. Do you completely depend on anyone else in this world right now? Completely? Any other human? We're all pretty, we could, we could get by, right? But but a little child? No. No. The posture of a child is of complete dependence, is of complete faith in someone. They are small, they are powerless. They would be completely lost without guidance and direction and care and love. The posture of a child—a child has no presumptions, correct? No, pre- they know nothing. They're they're not sophisticated. They don't have vocabulary. They a, a posture of a child is of no presumptions. They have no merit of their own. They literally receive what they get. They literally receive what they get. They have no nothing in their hands to offer they're just waiting for their hands to be filled they have no credit no clout no claim to anything they have nothing yet they are filled with wonder they are filled with belief they are filled with love they are filled with what Soft hearts because their hearts have not been broken to what this world is yet. Can we take this posture? Can we actually take this posture when we live in a world where we have been hurt, where we have been rejected, where we have taken offense, when we're sitting in the mystery of what the future holds? Can we take this posture? Well, I want to tell you, yes, you can. Let's look at our buddies, the disciples, and see what they're doing a few chapters ago when Jesus is again here teaching them, and not just doing one, but two miracles right in front of them. Let's see if they were filled with awe and wonder. In Mark chapter 6, Jesus had five loaves and two fishes, and how many did he feed? Five thousand, thousands, whatever the number is. He fed thousands of people. And had 12 baskets left over. And then, so miracle number one, then they're in a crazy storm. Jesus calms the storm, saves them, and they just don't get it. Let me read you why. Mark 6, verse 47. Late that night, the disciples were in their boat in the middle of a lake, and Jesus was alone on land. He saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. Then he climbed into the boat and the wind stopped. They were totally amazed. But they still didn't understand the miracle of the loaves. Their hearts were too hard to take it in. They were literally in it, in it, and they couldn't see it. Their hearts were so used to a world that they lived in that they couldn't, they were numb to the wonder They were numb to seeing this miracle. So are you numb? Are you so used to the way that things are that you've just lost all wonder? You don't even pray or you don't even hope for certain things anymore because why? It's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. You have received an insert in your bulletin today. That has a heart on it. Would you pull that out for me? Looks like this. If you don't have one, would you raise your hand? And Josh will come give you one. Two right here, please. Anyone? So I took this passage that I just read. Josh is coming. Anyone else? Raise your hand. I took this passage I just read, and I summarized the action points in a few sentences. So listen to me read first, because this is not on your paper. He saw that they were in serious trouble. Jesus came toward them. Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be afraid. Take courage, I am here. They still didn't understand Their hearts were too hard to take it in. Now, on this piece of paper, I have made this personal for us. So on the top, I want you to look at that, and I want you to put it in the first person. And let's insert I, me, and my here. Jesus saw that I was in serious trouble. Jesus came toward me at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. I still didn't or I still don't understand. My heart was or is too hard to take it in. Maybe we've asked God for something. In the past, or we currently are. Let's put ourselves in the place of these disciples right here. Let's literally insert ourselves into the passage here. Let's make this personal here, where we say, my heart was too hard to understand. But he came towards me. He saw me. He saw that I was in serious trouble. Now look at the heart just below that. Look at the heart just below that. It's in pieces like much of our world. It's in pieces. What has diminished your ability to take the posture of a child? A broken heart. Of failed expectations. Of past experiences. Of rejection. Of offense. Of fear. Whatever it is. I want you to take your pen if you have it. And make this personal. Write down what it is. Write down what it is. Is it a name of a specific person? Is it a relationship? Is it an idea you had for yourself? Or an idea you had for your children? Something about the future right now that you just, has you so worried it has your heart in a million pieces? What is it? I want you to write something down on this piece of paper because it will be easy to fold this up and throw it away. But that's, that's not who we are, is it? I want you to know that my heart is like this. My heart is like this. How is your heart like this? And again, maybe you look at this and think, Melody, I'm really okay. I'm really okay. I have a good life. I'm healthy. I have things. Which maybe you are, but if you are a grown person on this lawn, any age above 12, I'd say, I'd say, wow, really? I'm not sure I believe you. I'm not sure I believe you because you live in the same world I do. Where it is broken, there's sin. People fail us. Ideas, dreams don't work out. As I mentioned before, we may not even realize our hearts are hard. Because we just let it fade away without even really looking at it. I know my heart is hard towards something when I stop praying about it. I know my heart is, is hard towards something when I don't want to talk about it. I know that at some point you have experienced some brokenness in the world. So I'm going to give you a moment to think about that. So now in real time, what do we do with this? What do we do with this? Well, we become like a child with this. We take a posture of complete faith in someone else. We see that these pieces have left us knowing that we are small and powerless we take on no presumptions of what could have, what should have, whatever it is. We have no presumptions. We accept that we have no merit to receive anything on our own. We accept that we have nothing to offer other than empty hands waiting to be filled with whatever it is God has planned for us. We admit that we have no credit No claim, no clout to anything. And we ask to be filled with wonder. We ask to be filled with a new perspective. We ask to be filled with belief. We ask for God to soften our hearts. And here's what it says on the bottom. Will you read it with me? And I will give you a new heart. And I will put a new spirit in you. I will take away your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. What do we do with it? That. We ask God right now God, take away my stony, stubborn heart. Help me work through this. Here are my empty hands. Here's my stony, stubborn heart take it, God. I'm going to ask you to take out your communion elements you have with us, with you today. If you don't have that, would you please raise your hand as well? And if you are listening online, pause this and go grab some elements. Anything. The only way, the only only way we can hope to begin to soften our hearts is through and with jesus the only way we can hope to be free of hurt rejection fear offense the only way we can even begin is through and with jesus We have a hope. We have a way. We have a place at the table where Jesus says, come to me as a child. Come to me as a child and I will fill you. I will fill you. I will fill you with wonder. I will fill your empty hands. I will fill them. And he took that all the way to the cross with his body where he broke it. Let's take the bread. The only hope we have is through his blood, that bled for us, that bled for us all over that cross, all over the floor, all over the dirt that day. That is the only hope we have. And he says, you are mine. I am yours. Come to me. I will fill you. Come to me. I will take away your stony heart. Come to me. Come to me. Through me, through my blood, I make this covenant with you. Let's take the cup. The only hope we have through this, where he says, I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. The only way we can do this is through Jesus.